if we can't discriminate between serious arguments and propaganda, then we have problems. Hey, Houston, we have problems. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove, 93 FM WLRI News Radio in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. WGRN 94.1 FM in Columbus, Ohio, 102.9 FM WLPP in Palinville, New York, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950, KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We are also streaming coast-to-coast and around the globe on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, Radio Sputnik, and many other fine outlets. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell-ish fellow from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us for another thrilling, action-packed adventure that we call the Bradcast. Yes, your long steadfast and continuing source for real news and actual facts in a fake news post-truth world. Uh, Coming up, Jonathan Simon, author of Code Red on the exit polls, which uh, from the uh, election last week, which once again show a different outcome than the election results did in the uh, key states that would have, in this case, meant a Hillary Clinton victory instead of a Donald Trump victory. So if exit polls are used elsewhere in the world to help find fraudulent election results there, why shouldn't the U.S. do the same for its own exit polls when they show a disparity from the computer-reported and unverified results? Uh, Of course, we saw something similar during the Democratic primaries this year and, of course, back in 2004 when Jonathan Simon was, as I believe, the very first to document those disparities between exit polling uh, that showed John Kerry winning in uh, swing states needed to win the presidency versus the reported election results that ended up showing George W. Bush winning those key states instead. So have we seen another similar red shift, as Jonathan calls it, in the election results this year? What might explain it? If so, he will be uh, he'll be here shortly to uh, discuss all of that and more, I suspect. President Barack Obama, in the meanwhile, is in Berlin uh, on his final visit as uh, as president, his uh, final world tour, I guess, his goodbye tour. Is that the right way to call it? His farewell concert tour, as it were. That's right. Yeah. Uh, While speaking at a at a joint press conference with German Chancellor Angela Merkel, uh, or as uh, Donald Trump, I think, called her Angela Merkel. (laughs) 
Uh, Obama warned that social media has enabled the spread of disinformation and polarization and that that is frankly just one of the things that is currently threatening democracy. In the United States, if 43% of eligible voters do not vote, then democracy is weakened. If we are not serious about facts and what's true and what's not, and particularly in an age of social media where so many people are getting uh, their information in sound bites and snippets off their phones. Uh, if we can't discriminate between serious arguments and propaganda, then we have problems. Uh, if people, whether they are conservative or liberal, left or right, are unwilling to compromise and engage in the democratic process and are taking absolutist views, and demonizing opponents, then democracy will break down. Wow, that sounds like a whole lot of stuff I have said years ago on this program. And, and a number blog. of times yes. since then, yes. Uh, yeah, but of course, he's he's right on all of those uh, accounts. I want to point out just one thing. He mentioned that uh, if 43% don't turn out to vote, then democracy is weakened. And he's absolutely right about that. Uh, but that said, as I noted on yesterday's show, the... Uh, the turnout was not nearly as low as uh, had originally been reported as votes were still coming in, still being uh, tallied. That, by the way, is still going on in pretty much every state in the country. So there's a lot of votes out there that are still being counted uh, or at least being tallied by computers in some fashion or another. Um, but the uh, the turnout rate was not as low as it was uh, reported originally on election night when they said, oh, Hillary lost because her voters simply didn't turn out. That turns out to be not actually true. The turnout was kind of on par with what it was back in 2012. We'll see. We don't uh, have the final numbers on that. But I just want to dispel that, that myth before it gets too deeply set in that, uh, oh, the reason Donald Trump won is because uh, Hillary Clinton voters did not turn out. We don't know that. We don't know that for sure, and the evidence uh, suggests otherwise. Um, but to the uh, to to the rest of his point about uh, being able to understand and discern between facts and fake news, that is a very serious problem. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to point out the uh, you know the idea that. Uh, the, the misinformation that had gone out about uh, Clinton's voters not turning out because. That stuff gels in the media. It becomes it may be a myth, but it becomes, quote, unquote, truth. And it lasts for years. It lasts in many cases for in many cases forever. Now, we had a caller on yesterday's show just by way of uh, one example here. We had a caller uh, to the show yesterday. He didn't want to come on air. Is that right? Des? That's right. He refused, he, actually. He, he said, I was whining about the election results as I, as I was running through what we know and what we don't so far about the election results to date. And we don't know a lot. Because as of now, we're just simply taking these results from computer tabulators that are sometimes completely wrong, that can be easily manipulated to show any result the manipulator wants in about 30 seconds time with little probability of ever being discovered. And in any event, 
As I've said, and I'll keep saying over and over again, they are not verified by actual human beings to ensure that the computers tally the ballots, the paper ballots, correctly. Never mind the 100% unverifiable touchscreen systems that we can never know uh, if the computers recorded the voters' actual intent. Uh, but nonetheless, the caller, uh, Desi, uh, you said he was adamant also, aside from calling me a whiner, he was also adamant that Donald Trump also won the popular vote yes, and, against and Hillary Clinton. Yes, he was insistent upon that, and I said, that's not actually true. And he, he screamed at me because really? of that, yes. Well, uh, <laughs> I was sad we didn't get him on the air because... Because yeah, he was quite would have loved insistent, to have had him. and it was quite disturbing to, to not be able to get through to somebody. Well, he was he was wrong, uh, as I hope all, at least listeners of broadcast know that uh, Hillary Clinton, so far as of today, received at least uh, 1.3 million more votes than Donald Trump did across the country nationally. Uh, that may go up another million or two, depending on what's out here, for example, in California, where there are still millions left to count provisional ballots and so forth left to count. So last time I checked the numbers, she was already uh, she had already defeated Donald Trump nationally by more than a million votes. Uh, and even Donald Trump is not disputing that, by the way, but uh, apparently some of his uh, supporters are. Why? Well, um, we may have a couple of <laughs> a couple of answers. Um, one, uh, Google. Uh, if you looked up, this was uh, a couple of days ago, I guess, beginning of the week. Um, Mediaites Dan Abrams first reported that when you f when you searched on on Monday of this week, when you searched fi quote final election numbers or final vote count 2016, the first results in Google's news box is from a scrappy-looking WordPress blog, as he said, uh, called 70 News. That appears to be run by one person. The article, posted on November 12th, features the headline in all caps, Final Election 2016 Numbers, Trump Won Both Popular and Electoral College Votes. That's the first thing that comes up, uh, at least as of Monday. And I checked, and by the way, it is still coming up. Now, uh, the, the, the numbers in the post are totally inaccurate. Uh, there are millions of votes still to be counted. But even by that point, uh, on Monday, Hillary Clinton was already ahead by nearly a million votes in the vote count. So it was totally wrong. And secondly, the writer of this, uh, this site, 70 News, uh, claims that the source of material for, uh, for his article was a Twitter post by a guy named Michael. Uh, and Michael, as it turns out, was sourcing uh, an article from the ultra-conservative tabloid USA Supreme, as described by The Verge, uh, which argues that Clinton might win the number of uh, votes counted but will not win the number of votes cast because of so many ignored Republican absentee ballots. Totally made-up stuff. And yet, as uh, The Verge notes, uh, by way of 70 News... By way of Google, it has become uh, the sole source for a story squatting at the top of Google's search results. Now, this is not the first time that Google has had uh, this sort of a problem, and even their own election results are uh, poorly designed and, and had looked, uh, as of Monday, had, had made it look like Donald Trump was also winning in the popular vote. Not true. But it's not the first time you'll recall the same problem we complained about day after day on this show during the primaries when we complained that damn near every day 
when you would uh, search uh, similar searches for how the uh, the contest, the primary contest between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders was going, it looked like Clinton had an insurmountable lead over Sanders because they were including the so-called superdelegates back then who hadn't yet even voted. They wouldn't even vote at all until the Democratic convention. But it gave the impression that there was no way Clinton could be defeated by Sanders because she had so many delegates on her side. A huge failing by both Google uh, and by the AP and, and CNN and most of the others, most of the other corporate mainstream outlets uh, who, who reported the numbers that way. It wasn't just these crazy right-wing websites. It was Google. It was AP and others. And if you look up today, as I did at Google, who won the popular vote uh, at Google, uh, you will find this. Popular vote. Hillary didn't really win it. <laughs> now, is this one of the fake news sites we've heard so much about over the past few days? Uh, no, it's National Review. The National Review headline that pops up, um, in, and this was an article posted 23 hours ago. So, uh, I mean, just where are we? Late in the week following the election, more than a week after the election, popular vote, Hillary didn't really win it. Now, if you click on it, you'll uh, be taken to an article by uh, someone named Varad Mehta, uh, and the actual headline of the article is nobody understands what a popular vote presidential what a popular vote presidential election would mean. And it goes into all kinds of details about how we don't run popular vote elections. We have an electoral college and so forth. But the the page name, the page title, the page title that is used by Google still says Popular vote. Hillary didn't win it. And that is at the National Review, the so-called. Yes, they're right wing, but the so-called respectable conservative National Review, which is regarded as a legitimate website for some reason by some people. Now, uh, there's another uh, result that comes up. Donald Trump won 7.5 million popular vote landslide in Heartland. Well, if you look at that, that kind of looks like uh, Donald Trump won a popular vote landslide. Uh, but only, as it turns out, in the heartland, only in the selected few counties that Breitbart decided to look at. Again, another right wing website, a white national website whose campaign, uh, whose, whose chairman now runs the uh, well, ran the Trump campaign. And he's now the top political strategist in the Trump White House. Presuming Trump gets to the White House, but that's a different matter. Uh, so, you know, it's not just these fake news websites. It's Google. It's AP. It's these actual uh, <laughs> respected, I guess, is I got to put it in quotes. But, you know, National Review, I mean, has been around for decades. National Review took on Donald Trump. And here they are putting out this uh, this fake Absolutely fake nonsense. There's a, a really interesting article in The Washington Post today uh, by Caitlin Dewey uh, actually interviewing one of the uh, one of the folks who, who puts out these uh, fake news sites. In his case, uh, he considers it satire. He considers what he does to be more like the onion. He's not like these, uh, you know, right wingers who are just stupid and don't know better. He actually purposely puts out fake news. And now he feels absolutely terrible because he feels that he helped get uh, Donald Trump elected. And to some extent, he probably did. 
in fact, uh, back in March, uh, Corey Lewandowski, who was at the time the Donald Trump campaign chair, uh, retweeted one of these articles that appears to be from ABC News, but is not. It's from this guy uh, saying that a Donald Trump protester uh, speaks out. I was paid thirty five hundred dollars to protest at a Trump rally. And uh, and it appears to find a Craigslist ad looking for uh, paid protesters for Donald Trump. And what do you know? We have heard. So Corey Lewandowski actually retweeted that story when he was the Donald Trump uh, uh, campaign chair. And those stories, of course, appear on Google as well, by the way. Um, but we've heard the same thing since the uh, protests have broken out, since Donald Trump was declared by the media to be the winner, that all of these protests going around the country, Donald Trump has been telling us these are professional protesters. They've been paid that $3,500 by George Soros or whatever. And uh, go to Craigslist and you'll see the ad looking for protesters as proof. Well, this guy says he's the one who put out the fake ad on Craigslist. To help his story, to help his story pick up traffic that he now feels terrible about. He says, I thought they'd fact check it. He said, I thought they'd fact check it and that it would make them look worse. I mean, that's how this always works. Someone posts something I write, then they find out it's false and then they look like idiots. But Trump supporters, he says, they just keep running with it. He says, looking back, instead of hurting the campaign, which I guess he says is his point, I think I helped it. And that feels bad. I didn't think it was possible for him to get elected. I thought I was just messing with the campaign. He says, they just keep passing this stuff around. Nobody fact checks anymore. I mean, that's how Trump got elected. He just said whatever he wanted and people believed everything. And then the things he said turned out to not be true. But people didn't care because they'd already accepted it. It's really scary. He says, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, more of that interview over at Washington Post as BuzzFeed finds that in the final three months of the U.S. presidential election uh, presidential campaign, the top for performing fake election news stories on Facebook. So these are fake sites that everyone knows. Well, not everyone, but uh, <laughs> but that we know are purposely fake and put together just to get uh, web traffic. That the top performing fake election news stories on Facebook generated more engagement in the final three months than the top stories from major news outlets such as New York Times, Washington Post, Huffington Post, NBC News and others, according to BuzzFeed's uh, analysis. The fake sites got more traffic on Facebook, more engagement, more readership. Then the New York Times, Washington Post, Huffington Post, NBC News in the final three months of the uh, of the campaign. During these critical months, they point out 20 top performing false election stories from hoax sites and hyperpartisan blogs generated almost nine million shares within that same time period. The 20 best performing election stories from 19 major news actual websites generated just over seven million shares. It's 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 incredible. I mean, we spent a lot of time on this show in the lead up to the election trying to debunk so much nonsense that was out there. And it was actually the nonsense we were debunking wasn't even from the fake news sites for the most part. 
Of the uh, 20 top performing false election stories identified in BuzzFeed's analysis, all but three were overtly pro-Donald Trump or anti-Hillary Clinton. Two of the biggest false hits were a story claiming that uh, Clinton sold weapons to ISIS uh, and a hoax claiming that the Pope had endorsed Donald Trump. Of course, you also had Donald Trump out there saying that uh, Hillary Clinton and, and Barack Obama what did, he, what did he say? We founded ISIS. We're uh, responsible we're, yeah. for, for creating <laughs> ISIS. Yeah, right. Yes. Uh, and and that. Uh, so let's see. Uh, Pope Francis shocks world endorses Donald Trump for president. WikiLeaks confirms Hillary sold weapons to ISIS, then drops another bombshell. These are all fake. It's over. Hillary Hillary's ISIS email just leaked, and it's worse than anyone could have imagined. These are the headlines. These are the top five fake election stories by Facebook engagement. Uh, just read the law. Hillary is disqualified from holding any federal office, and FBI agent suspected in Hillary email leaks found dead in apparent murder-suicide. I think you fell for that one, didn't you, Des, for a few minutes? Well, yeah, I did see it. I was like, <laughs> wait, what? Did. Yeah, but then once you look it up, you're like, a oh. A lot of people did. But a lot of people don't make that extra step of going to look it up. They just hit share and that's it. There was one website alone called Ending the Fed uh, that had four stories that racked up uh, almost uh, three million Facebook engagements in the three months leading up to the election day. Now, remember, had just 50,000 voters in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, had just 50,000 votes been recorded for Clinton instead of Trump, Hillary Clinton would be the uh, president-elect today. So three million views on those four stories alone, do you think that might have made a difference? Yeah, it might have. Now, I don't know the solution. As I said, we spent a lot of time trying to debunk completely false stories from supposedly legitimate news outlets and actual Republican elected officials who were circulating this complete nonsense, who passed this crap around unapologetically, uh, you know, and we tried to debunk it in the lead up to the election here on the broadcast. So I don't know what the answer is, but I know it's a problem. And that's why we've been uh, trying. We have been trying to point it out for years. Unfortunately, the problem seems to be getting worse, not better. Uh, we'll leave it there for the moment. We'll come back, I suspect, to this uh, topic. But you know, that's the fake news. That's the fake news that we're allowed to see, that we're handed in, in our social uh, media that bastardizes election results. What about real votes and exit polling raw data that we are not allowed to see? That we can't see. How might any of that have affected the results of our elections? We'll talk about that next with uh, someone, uh, someone else who has been driven crazy by all of this for more than a decade. Jonathan Simon joins me next. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Remember me, the guy who was warning you about Donald Trump from the day he entered the race, when the rest of the U.S. media were telling you his candidacy was a joke, that he'd never win, and that Hillary Clinton had it in the bag. We told you otherwise from the beginning and up until Election Day. Well, we may have been right, but we still don't have corporate or foundational support. We still rely on you to stay on your public airwaves. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to support the work that Desi Doyen and I do every day. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thank you. 
Good guys really lose. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Another great Leonard Cohen song there. Um, contrary to Donald Trump's pronouncement that he beat Hillary Clinton and beat her badly, in truth, never mind the fake news sites and even the real news sites out there misreporting on what happened last Tuesday, based on the unverified computer-reported results released by election officials. As of today, Trump won the state of Wisconsin by nine-tenths of one percent. He won in Pennsylvania by 1.1 percent. In Florida, 1.2 percentage points. And he's currently leading in Michigan by just two-tenths of a percentage point. Uh, hardly a landslide. And of course, we know that Hillary Clinton won the popular vote for whatever that's worth. And in truth, it's not worth all that much because we don't run uh, national popular elections. We run essentially 50 state elections at one time. But if you look at these states that flipped uh, from what had been reliable Democratic states or at least states that went to Barack Obama in the past and went to Donald Trump reportedly this time, if you look at just Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania alone. Forget Florida for the moment. Just Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania alone had just 50,000 votes been recorded for Clinton instead of Trump. That's just 50,000 votes out of at least 14 million cast across all three of those states. Had that happened, 50,000 votes for Clinton instead of Trump, Hillary Clinton would be the president-elect of the United States. Now, we spent quite a bit of time on yesterday's broadcast. Uh, you can go download it at bradblog.com or over at iTunes, if you like, discussing questions, concerns about the almost completely unverified results of the election from both paper ballot optical scan computers and from touchscreen voting machines, which are, those are, uh, as I often say, 100% unverifiable. We talked about that and about the fact that these numbers are checked for accuracy by pretty much nobody ever. That, despite the fact that these computer tabulators are highly vulnerable to manipulation and sometimes simply uh, fail by announcing completely incorrect results. Nonetheless, election results reported by these systems are, for some reason, considered the gold standard for election officials, for pollsters, pre-election pollsters and exit pollsters alike, and, of course, the corporate media along with them. Even in a year when we've been told for months by top administration officials that uh, our elections were vulnerable to being hacked. Now, uh, over at TDMSResearch.com, uh, Theodore de Macedo Sores, Ted Sores, as we uh, know him, he's an election integrity advocate. Uh, he wrote uh, over the weekend that according to the exit polls conducted by Edison Research, Clinton won four key battleground states, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin and Florida in the 2016 presidential election that she went on to lose in the computerized vote counts. Now, he's talking here not about the pre-election polls, but the polls, the exit polls actually taken on Election Day as people walk out of the polling place and pollsters ask them, hey, who did you just vote for? 
With these states, Ted writes, uh, Clinton wins the Electoral College with a count of 302 versus 205 for Trump. If you rely on the exit polls, Clinton also won the national exit poll by 3.2 points. And she holds a narrow lead in the national vote count still in progress. This was over the weekend. Now uh, Clinton is up by well over a million votes. That's probably going to go uh, much higher, another million or so. Soares goes on to say exit polls were conducted in 28 states. In 23 states, the discrepancies between the exit polls and the vote count favored Trump. In 13 of these states, the discrepancies favoring Trump exceeded the margin of error in that particular state. Uh, writing over at CodeRed2016.com, Dr. Jonathan Simon finds similar results. Outcome reversing shifts, he says, between the election, between the exit results and the uh, and between the exit polls and the election results. He goes on to write, this is a familiar pattern indicative of electronic rigging, but in this case, even more dramatic than usual. With all that has been said and written about the vulnerability of the computers that count our votes in secret, one must ask why these votes and states shifted and why the outcome changing results are simply accepted as accurate and honest. There is every reason, he says, to investigate and then recount key states by hand where possible. This is too often not possible, he adds, because some of these results come from paperless touchscreen computers. Now, as we noted on the show yesterday, uh, Jonathan Simon wrote uh, via email uh, over the weekend, as many of us are trying to make sense of these numbers and make sure that they're actually accurate. Uh, he wrote, this data calls into question whether or not Trump really won in North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Wisconsin, Florida and Michigan. And on his website, he goes on to call on election directors, secretaries of state, the United States Congress and President Obama to, quote, initiate an investigation into the outcome of the 2016 election. Crazy idea. Joining us now is Jonathan Simon. He's a longtime election integrity champion and he's author of Code Red, Computerized Election Theft and the New American Century. His expertise in polling and statistical analysis comes from his former employ employment as a political survey research analyst in Washington, D.C. He's authored numerous papers related to various aspects of election integrity. He's also the co-founder of the Election Defense Alliance, which is both friends and allies of the Brad blog and the Bradcast since at least 2004. Uh, and he's a member of the Massachusetts State Bar, graduate of Harvard College and New York University School of Law, etc., etc. Jonathan Simon, sir, welcome back to the broadcast. Thanks, Brad. Good to be here. And I have to say, still crazy after all these years. Yeah, I know. And it's uh, it's not fun, to be frank. Uh, now, you were among the first uh, to be crazy, if not the first, as I recall, to sound the alarm about these exit poll disparities back after the 2004 election. Am I correct about that? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, an all-nighter on, on election mm -hmm. night by 4 a.m. had it on the back of an envelope that not only were we seeing uh, these kind of um, outsized exit poll disparities, but they were concentrated in the battleground states. In other words, we had a baseline mm -hmm. of safe states uh, where there really wasn't much uh, disparity. And then you came to the important ones like Ohio and Florida and Pennsylvania and such. And there were big disparities, and that didn't make any sense. So it was a big red flag. And um, 
And we, uh, back in 2004, social media was in mm-hmm. its infancy, and election integrity was in its infancy, and contru- computer um, vote counting was in its infancy. So there I was, you know, that following morning mm-hmm. with all this data and this, with this preliminary analysis and no idea to whom to send it. Um, and it's very different now. There are a lot of people out there, even as we speak, that are doing uh, detailed drill downs to the county level, to mm-hmm. the precinct level in some cases, and trying to get a handle on all this data. I have to say the system is set up to be concealed, and the uh, government and the media um, are, are, are working pretty hard to make sure it stays concealed. And you've got a bunch of people uh, with democracy in their hearts who are working uh, just as hard, if not harder, to try to unconceal it. And uh, it's an uphill battle, but that's what we're doing right now. And there are uh, sort of several levels of concealment, as you as you regard it, uh, Jonathan, in both the election results uh, that are reported uh, and how those are actually counted in secret by computers and, and not verified by anyone, and the exit poll uh, raw data itself. So uh, that is not ever released. It's taken by, uh, you know, compu- uh, uh, commercial pollsters who are hired by the uh, by the national media. They release their readings of that data, but they keep that raw data to themselves. So before I get into uh, into that and why that is, what do we know about these exit data that you you and uh, and Ted Soares um, are working from here? Where does that data come from that allows you to compare the results uh, from the exit poll data to the, uh, the election results that are being reported? Okay, what we do, and you got to be quick, uh, as soon as this is first publicly posted, which is generally within a minute or two of the poll closing in mm-hmm. any given state, um, we screen capture it. And the reason we jump on it right then is that from that point forward till the end of the night or the next morning, when most of the vote counts are complete or near complete, um, those, those percentages on the exit polls uh, get progressively adjusted. Um, the algorithm takes in the vote counts, so the vote counts themselves taint the exit poll percentages, and by the time the next morning rolls around, or even just a few hours later in the night, mm-hmm. you'll see exit polls that basically match uh, the vote counts. And the ostensible reason for this is that the vote counts are gospel truth, they're mm-hmm. accurate, and therefore if the exit polls didn't match them, they must be off. And if we want to do academic analysis with the exit polls and look at all those categories and subcategories, like we're seeing now, you know, across the news, well, this group is what put Trump over, and this group felt this way, and these were a surprise group. Well, all that analysis comes out of adjusted exit polls, exit polls that have been um, made to, uh, mm-hmm. to match the vote counts, to congruence with the vote counts. And, um, and, and when you that say is considered the, the point of the exit polls as opposed to verifying uh, the vote counts themselves. N- no. So you have to be quick. So when you say uh, that it, the, the data is adjusted, there's nothing insidious there. Uh, they're not trying, as far as we know, they're not trying to hoax the American public. They believe these exit polls, and I've talked to them for years myself, they believe that the uh, the reported that the election results, as reported, that that is essentially the gold standard. Therefore, they sort of reweight their exit poll uh, findings to match what those gold standard results, as they see them, ultimately are. Right? I, I mean, yes, that's exactly okay. correct. I mean, I'm not saying it's insidious. It just serves uh, the purpose of if you were not quick in in 
uh, screen capturing the exit polls, you would see exit polls that matched the vote count, and you would have no idea that they mm-hmm. weren't, uh, didn't just come out that way. But we, we catch them first. Um, whether they've already been somewhat tweaked, we're mm-hmm. not 100% sure. What we do know is that we see, as you were talking about, you know, Ted and I basically got the same figures and performed essentially the same analysis. Um, they're, they're huge uh, disparities way outside the margin of error, pretty much all in the same direction. And yeah, outcome reversing. And so uh, the question becomes, you know, what do you believe? And I'd be the first to say we're not going to prove anything with exit polls. Um, and, uh, but... What we really have is two sets of lousy evidence. We have exit polls. Uh, you could ask, why would you believe them? And you have the vote counts. And you could also ask, why would you believe them? Mm-hmm. They're concealed. Uh, they're computerized. They're outsourced. They're privatized. Who's ever programming them, programming them has the basic control uh, over how those votes are counted or how fictitious it could be. They're also subject to outsider hacking as well as insider rigging. And there's a very, very weak, very weak, processes of verification that are certainly not uniform. You see it in some states, not in other states. Um, and most often these, uh, these audits are basically pro forma. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not designed to actually test whether the vote counts mm-hmm. have been accurate. Uh, they're designed to test uh, the machines and the function of the machines. Um, so we really have no verification process to speak of. And so we have two bad sets of, of evidence. Now, the good evidence where it exists are the voter mark paper ballots, mm-hmm. uh, where people vote on optical scanner, and they've actually marked a ballot, and it supposedly exists. It's fallen into the op-scan uh, bin, and right. that's good evidence. And uh, the memory cards uh, on these machines uh, that are part of the software, uh, where the software is stored, that, that uh, determine the counting. And that's sort of like looking at uh, Tom Brady's footballs, if we treated memory cards the way we treated footballs, and we actually checked the air pressure, we would impound them, um, and we would do uh, an analysis by IT professionals, IT experts, and to see what kind of code was running on there and what it was saying to do uh, when, when ballots were being counted. And we could find uh, that there were enormous shifts or subtle shifts or targeted shifts um, of, of voting, and we would never know about it. And, and we do never know about it because we never actually look at those cards. Nobody's allowed to look at those cards and, uh, uh, you know, what actually goes into the uh, into those optical scanners and so forth on on Election Day. But I want to, uh, John, I want to go back to um, a point you made about the, the, the polling data when it comes out, when it's when you got to be quick about it, when you grab it from uh, CNN's website or wherever you're able to get it from. To be clear, that data before it is, as you described, uh, adjusted to match the uh, the final results, that data is already adjusted, is it not? And this is something that, because uh, uh, you and I have gone back and forth about this, and I went back and forth with a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters during the primary, where we saw a similar uh, situation where uh, it looked like Bernie Sanders was going to win, according to the uh, initial uh, exit results, and then Hillary Clinton was named the winner according to the actual voting results as they were reported. Uh, those numbers, when they come out, that's still, that is not the raw data. That has already been weighted to a certain extent by the pollsters. That's weighted to a certain extent by the pollsters just by virtue of which polling sites they decide to go to and which people they decide to talk to, Correct. That's absolutely correct. I mean, they have a lot of data that they feed in 
to their weighting algorithm. It can include past elections. Uh, it can include current uh, pre-election tracking polls. It can include census data. So they, uh, you know, I believe in good faith. They actually try to good, do a good job. I mean, right. they, they, they want to get it right uh, for professional reputation, if nothing else. Um, what we see however, is just this pervasive, pervasive pattern year in, year out that is always essentially in the same direction. We hardly ever see a blue shift anywhere. We see red shift after red shift. And that was true, if you want to call a red shift in the primaries, the shift away from the more progressive candidate to the more centrist candidate. That's what had a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters, you know, up in arms. Um, it's, it's kind of, it would be strange to keep seeing the shift in the same direction. And there's always uh, a benign explanation of some sort offer it up. And it's hard to um, necessarily dismiss the benign explanations. Uh, well, there was an enthusiasm gap between people who responded for Sanders mm-hmm. and people who responded for Clinton. There was a reluctant Bush responder. People rely, people lie to exit polls, blah, blah, blah. The shy, shy Trump And we just voter. don't know. Yeah. We just don't know. Well, and, and, and that's the problem. And this is why, you know, I, I caught a lot of hell for sort of pointing this out. You know, there, I think there's a, this impression that some people have that a lot of the Sanders folks had, and I'm, I don't want them to have that now, which is that those early exit polls, which are already adjusted to some extent, those are not necessarily what the results should be. There are reasons that they could get it wrong. Um, but to simply compare straight up and down, you know, the, the, the results as reported versus the initial exit polling results, you can't say this means there is fraud. It just means that one of these two sets of numbers, perhaps both of these sets of numbers, are not accurate, correct? That is absolutely correct. And, you know, I I will say, though, we try to do... The more conscientious among us try to do what I call second-order comparatives, and that is comparing competitive races mm-hmm. with non-competitive races in terms of exit poll vote count disparity. Disparities, and let's say in the primaries, we looked at the Republican primaries versus the Democratic primaries. Well, why did the exit pollsters get virtually all the Republican primaries right and virtually all of the Democratic primaries wrong? See, that's a second-order comparative. Mm-hmm. It it's, it raises additional questions and it increases the probative value that suggests you know houston we have a problem here mm-hmm. it does not prove uh... that the vote counts are erroneous but it is a lot of smoke um, and when you see that much smoke you want you want to go look for a fire mm-hmm. and that's the that's the thing that we we steadfastly refuse to do let me let me put it this way yeah. the question that i would want to put to anybody looking at this you know keeping score at home would be what would trump do if these same numbers came out, only they were reversed in a parallel universe, and he won the popular vote, and Hillary Clinton won the presidency and the Electoral College, and there were all these states in which the exit polls favored Trump, and somehow the vote counts favored Clinton, you can bet your bottom dollar, based on what he said going into the election, based on the attitude he had about not conceding, mm-hmm. and about making sure if he felt there was any suspicion that he would challenge, that they would be challenging these results. In fact, you'd probably see a million gun march on Washington, (laughs) um, a real mobilization. And that, in a nutshell, tells you a lot about America and why we keep drifting to the right, because the attitude of how you play the game is absolutely different on the two sides of the political spectrum. Further, if this election had occurred in any other country, in the Ukraine, in Kenya, in Madagascar, wherever you want to put it, and these kind of numbers had come up, and the, the candidate that the United States was not backing 
uh, had had lost, as Hillary Clinton had, you could also bet that within hours the United States would have been all over this in the international forum saying this election was rigged and we have these exit polls and we are demanding, you know, a recount or even a re-election. We've actually done that in several mm-hmm. countries. So, I mean, a double standard does not even begin to describe. But and, Jonathan, you know, look, when you lose an election like this and yeah. you just move on and you hand ring and decide, you know, that all you're going to do about it is try to figure out how you lost it and do better next time, that's what we've been seeing election after election, and that kind of behavior is part of the problem. And I want to I talk about what needs to be done about it, but let me just uh, hit uh, two quick points uh, in response there. One, uh, you say if we saw similar results in exit poll, uh, polling, dis- similar disparities around the world, the U.S. would be calling it a fraud. We saw that in uh, you know a number of nations over the, over the past decade or so. But to be clear... Exit pollsters here in the U.S. will tell you that their exit uh, polling in the U.S. is done very differently than what is done around the world, that around the world... Uh, the exit polls are specifically meant as a uh, a hedge, uh, a, a red flag, uh, a protection against fraud. That they're basically they talk to a lot more respondents, and they and the questionnaire is much simpler. Who did you vote for? Whereas here in the U.S., the pollsters hired by the media are basically asking, you know, wh- who did you vote for? But why did you vote for them? How much money do you make? You know, uh, trying to get at all this demographic information. What did you care most about? And all all of these items, our exit polls in the U.S. are different than those that are run around the country as a protection against fraud. That's what the exit polls will tell you. What is or will tell us? What is your response to to, uh, to that? Well, I think I promised at the get-go not not to laugh too hard at anything, but that one really tickles me because first of all, they've offered no proof of that. We don't know what the uh, protocols are for these exit polls around the. the the world. We're mm-hmm. taking their word for it. Secondly, for the most part, exit polls are exit polls. You ask who they voted for, and then there might be two more pages of questions, and they are what they are. Um, it is not appreciably different. You still have that major, who did you vote for, what party are you in question. Could people lie to it? Could people uh, decide they're, they're going to avoid taking it? Um, in disproportionate numbers. Yeah, that's all possible, but that's really possible in the Ukraine, and it's possible in Kenya, too. Think about it. In some of these other countries, it's even scarier to take an exit poll because they have all but, you know, totalitarian so-called democracies, but really more totalitarian. People would be even more intimidated. But never mind. America is a free country. If we can't take an exit poll here, where can well, we? Never so mind. that's one explanation I'm not buying. Uh, Jonathan, never mind if they're not, uh, they're, if they're scared or not, but just the design of the poll that, you know, instead of asking all of these questions to a limited uh, sample of people at uh, a limited number of precincts, we're going to ask a lot more people at a lot more precincts this one question to try to glean uh, period who they voted for just as a protection against fraud you're not buying that uh, explanation it, from number the one Brad I'm not buying it number okay. two is if it's true my next question would be well why the hell don't we do that here because our system of concealed vote counting 
uh, it requires just as much protection as other places around the world. But that having been said, I'm not buying it. The well, first and question they, they ask on these exit polls is, who did you vote for? Everything else is crazy. And, 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 of course, they don't agree that we have a problem with our vote counting here in the U.S. They think all goes well, and that gets at the heart of the problem. And this is sort of, you know, at, at the heart of the problem that I had that I always have, that I've I've had for years, and I think you can attest that I've been, uh, you know, pretty consistent in this concern, which is that even if your analysis, uh, Jonathan Simon, is correct, Ted Sori's uh, analysis is correct concerning this Trump-Clinton race, even if all of those people who looked at these same discrepancies during the uh, Democratic primary uh, looked at those same discrepancies going back to 2004 presidential race, even if all of that is correct, it's a yellow flag or a red flag, but it does not give us the answer. And you can say, oh, I have concerns about this, but what are you going to do about it? Well, the, what you're going to do about it is fight like hell, I think, to you know actually count actual ballots. And that's what I was trying to encourage people to do during the primary. This is what I'm trying to encourage people to do now. There are states that allow you to file, uh, file you know, that allow any voter. People were concerned about what happened out here in California uh, during the uh, Democratic primary. And I said, well, great. California allows any voter to file for a hand count in any precinct they want anywhere in the entire state. Um so, you know, even if your numbers are absolutely correct and there is a completely unexplainable discrepancy here, the answer is still the same. Is it not? Count the ballots? Totally agree. And, you know, I, there's a certain, well, elections and particularly presidential elections, which, you know, there's national security at stake in terms of, you know, keeping the transfer of power orderly and, and, and rapid, uh, they, have, they develop a tremendous amount of inertia and momentum. I mean, this is now a historical fact. Trump won. It's all about the postmortem. It's all about choosing the cabinet mm-hmm. and looking to the future and raising more money if you're a left-wing organization because, you know, you're going to fight this tooth and nail. Everything takes on a very, very deep layer veneer of reality, even though underneath there is possibly this fiction. This time, however, more than we've ever seen before, even much more than in 2004 when there, there, you know, there was great red flags flying, um, there are a large number of people uh, getting organized, as you say, to count the damn ballots and not to move on. And at the same time, the forces of, let's say, the guardians of order, mm-hmm. as opposed to the guardians of truth, uh, are fourth are estate, and our government itself, uh, at all levels, is fight, will fight that in every way possible to keep this inertia, to keep this momentum moving forward, to keep this version of reality from stumbling and leading to what I think many would believe would be chaos or disruption or danger. Well, we have a tough choice because we have a, a search for the truth on the one hand, and we have maintaining this smooth transition on the other hand. And unfortunately, this happens election after election after election. And by the time you're finished, you're very possibly living, you know, not just a, mm-hmm. a short-term, but a very long-term national lie. And that is an enormous price to pay for keeping everything smooth, keeping it entertaining, keeping it a media uh, property, in effect. And so we have to slow this down right now. We're not going to start World War III if we actually go and count some ballots and see whether this victory was 
granted it was shocking, but if it was legitimate, it was legitimate. And that does not speak to all the voter suppression and all the ways that all the stops that have been pulled out to thwart the voice, would-be would voice of the people. We're leaving that aside. That uh, Craig Pallas has handled that. There's a lot of people working on that. I mean, we're looking at skullduggery that is covert and that is uh, potentially, you know, decisive um, that is not visible in any way that people can't act on unless they can see. And the only way really to see it at this point, aside from impounding memory cards and piercing that corporate veil and getting at that property that's considered the corporate right of these, these voting machine vendors, trumps the right of, of, of the people and of, uh, of, of, of history itself. The only way other than that is, as you say, to count the damn ballots. And that's what we really want to encourage people, to mobilize to do that, file those petitions, get in there, and actually see what is going on under the hood um, to the extent that it's possible. There are places where it's not possible. As you said, there are you know, DREs that are paperless and there are no ballots. You might be able to impound the equipment, impound the equipment and, and, and see what kind of code is running on it. But as I said, the system is built with many layers of concealment, and we have to, we have to pierce that in any way we can. And that's audits, it's recounts, it, it's all of this. And we have to recognize that this can't keep happening and it can't be, it is not compatible with a democracy so going forward whatever happens in this election whatever forensic show whatever conclusions we draw we have to have must have an observable vote counting system we have to have hand counted paper ballots that are counted in public and 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 a pos- and, and and able to be observed so that you don't have this uh, darkness of cyberspace concealing the whole process and giving us simply a result in which we have really no basis for trust. Your your uh, your uh, charge that uh, your question, what would Trump do, keeps ringing in my head here, and I've long said that this problem is not going to be solved until a Republican candidate really, really gets screwed by these machines and and would take the action you're talking about and demand that every vote be publicly hand-counted. Uh, I, I, I hope uh, we don't have to wait that long, but uh, maybe. So I, I uh, thank you for encouraging people to... Uh, you know, to go out, file public records requests and uh, check your uh, local election laws and find out, can you file for a hand count of these paper ballots where they are available? Anyway, Jonathan, I got to get out. Great uh, catching back up with you again on this. I wish it was under better circumstances, but I thank you for your uh, now more than decade long fight. I would encourage people to uh, check out your work, your website at codered2016.com to buy your book and to support the election integrity effort. Buy the book. It's called Code Red, Computerized Election Theft and the New American Century. Jonathan, we will be uh, speaking more again in the future, my friend. Yes, Brad, thanks so much. Let's stay crazy and keep plugging. Thank you, brother. All right, a quick break, and we're back with more Bradcast right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away.
Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. just trying to soothe me with that, aren't you, Desi? <laughs> yes, and we're finally getting yes. some fall temperatures in California after a heat wave of 80, 90 degrees yeah, well, in that's November. True. That's right. Out here in California, um, in the meantime, uh, the Donald Trump transition train train wreck, I don't know, moves forward in New York City. <laughs> uh, we've only got, uh, well, you know what, let's have, uh, I think we have time for this uh, Bill Maher clip here real quick. Uh, we'll get to this Electoral College petition maybe tomorrow. Uh, that's real, by the way. In case you're wondering, that's not fake news. That's real. More details maybe tomorrow. In any event, here's Bill Maher uh, from, uh, from, from real time over the weekend. Uh, well, go ahead and play this clip. They're going to get rid of Obamacare, probably get rid of Roe versus Wade. So, you know what? Enjoy your victory. Trump voters, because when you're dying because you don't have health insurance to treat the infection you got from a back alley abortion you had to get because of fetal lead poisoning, you can say to yourself, at least I didn't vote for someone with a private email server. Ooh. Oh, yeah. You know what? One other little detail about the election. Hillary won. Well, in any event, uh, we know that she did win the popular vote. Uh, We don't know if she actually won the electoral vote because they, you know, they won't let us actually count the ballots. But we'll see if that changes. Uh, But her his point there about the uh, email server brings me back to where we started with the fake news. That didn't come from fake news sites. That came from real news sites. That was CNN running around the clock with the news about Hillary Clinton's email servers instead of showing any kind of news judgment whatsoever. I think we covered it for about 30 seconds or a minute the day it broke just long enough to say that uh, when and if it becomes a real news story, we will cover it rather than pretending it's a news story and scaring the hell out of voters or giving them reasons to uh, to vote for uh, Donald Trump, the guy who will do all of those things that Bill Maher just explained to you. All right, we'll, we'll get back to all of this on our next thrilling episode. Until then, my thanks today to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my guest, Jonathan Simon of the uh, Election Defense Alliance. And to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it at bradblog.com for free. You can also stop by bradblog.com slash donate. My thanks to those who have done that to help us stay on the air. My thanks also to those of you who have uh, sent your well wishes after my uh, strange flu dehydration exhaustion over the weekend, which is now apparently turning into a cold. Could 2016 get any better? 
Don't answer that, but do tune in tomorrow. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com, and on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.